You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Hope you're having a terrific Thanksgiving week and glad you decided to tune in. Hey, it is the last opportunity to get my November special report titled The Approaching Derivative Implosion, How Your Bank and Investments May Be Affected. The special report will be sent to you when you visit requestyourreport.com and let me know where to mail it. And along with the report, I'll also send you a copy of my best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing, and uh, also a copy of the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization uh, that contains some valuable, valuable information on how to maximize your Social Security. So again, to get that entire box of free resources without any further obligation, visit the website requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail that information to you, and uh, I'll be very glad to do so. Back in 2021... I wrote a book called Retirement Roadmap. This was released uh, early summer 2021. And I want to give you just a bit about what I wrote in that book from Chapter 3. The title of the chapter is Traditional Wall Street Advice May Be About to Fail You. And in the chapter, I wrote that traditional advice offered by brokers and advisors is usually to buy stocks and buy bonds, often in the form of mutual funds. Now, many times advisors or brokers will charge a fee or commission to help you pick your investments. And the philosophy, generally speaking, is that as you get older, you should have more bonds than you do stocks. In fact, there's a rule of thumb that's often used that you should have as many bonds as your age. So if you're 60 years old, you should have 60% of your assets in bonds and 40% in stocks. Now, in 2021, I suggested, in fact, I'm quoting from Chapter 3 of Retirement Roadmap, I would recommend that you ignore this philosophy in the current economic environment. I added that traditional advice typically ignores other asset classes. If you take a look at what's happened in 2022 now as we're closing out the year, both stocks and bonds are negative year-to-date. And had you followed traditional Wall Street advice, having a bucket of assets that is diversified between only stocks and bonds, you've had a negative year. See, many advisors focus only on stocks and bonds, ignoring commodities, ignoring precious metals, and ignoring cash. Now, while that is not universally true, from my experience, it's true a lot more than it is not true. Wall Street rarely suggests commodities, precious metals, and If you've been a long-time listener to the program, you know that I would argue that precious metals are real money or cash for a portfolio. In fact, there's a saying that floats around the brokerage industry that says cash is trash. Brokers and advisors often argue that cash should be avoided because it has very little yield. It has no appreciation potential. And in an inflationary environment like the one in which we have now, cash loses purchasing power. Now, all those things are true. 
but in a deflationary environment, cash is king. And let me just give you a couple examples. Many of you listening to this remember the subprime mortgage market collapsing starting in 2006. In fact, it may be a relatively fresh memory for you. The Case-Shiller Housing Index, which measures the price of housing, fell from 225 to 150. And those are just reference numbers used on the Case-Shiller Housing Index. So that's a decline of about 35%. Now, I want you to consider with me a minute this what if. If you had sold your real estate at the 2006 peak and put the proceeds in cash, by 2010, just four years later, that cash would have purchased 50% more real estate. Now, in that example, cash performed well. In that example, cash was not trash, but cash arguably was king. So while cash may lose purchasing power, in fact, it will lose purchasing power in an inflationary environment, it gains purchasing power in a deflationary environment. Avoiding losses on at least part of your portfolio as you approach retirement, or if you are already retired, should be your first investment rule, in my view. See, many people are really good at accumulating assets toward retirement. But once you reach retirement age or once you almost reach retirement age, now you have to start focusing not on accumulation, but distribution. And an accumulation plan is a lot different than a distribution plan. And if you try to use accumulation strategies as you approach the distribution stage of investing, Losses that you experience in a portfolio can be difficult or even impossible to overcome because of the break-even math curve. And some of you, unfortunately, listening to this are probably experiencing the brutality of this break-even math curve right now. Now, the break-even math is pretty straightforward. For every percentage loss you experience in a portfolio, you need to have a gain on a percentage basis that is significantly larger than the percentage loss to get back to the break-even point. So a quick example, a 35% loss in the value of your investments requires about a 50% gain to get back to even. A 50% loss in the value of your asset requires a gain subsequent to that loss of 100% to get back to even. If you have some cash as asset prices collapse, when those asset prices are lower, the same amount of cash buys more of that asset. Now we can go back and look at another example. Let's look at the stock market crash from 2007 to 2009 to make the same point. The S&P 500 from 2007 to 2009, from peak to trough, from top to bottom, it dropped 53.6%. If you had converted your stock to cash in 2007, by 2009, you could buy more than twice the stock that you had in 2007 with the same amount of cash. 
Now, there are many examples I could cite. I've given you a couple here in this segment in which cash is king and Wall Street's cash is trash adage is totally wrong. Now, I would make the argument, and many of you have, again, unfortunately experienced that a lot of the Wall Street-only advice has already failed many aspiring retirees this year. And this is what I warned about back in the Retirement Roadmap book about a year and a half ago. Now, another way to gain some perspective about today's environment is to price stocks in gold rather than U.S. dollars. Now, why would we do this? Well, gold has not changed over time, but as we've demonstrated... And as I have discussed previously on the program, the U.S. dollar has been greatly devalued on an absolute basis, even though relative to other currencies, it's strong. But because the U.S. dollar has been devalued on an absolute basis, that makes it a poor measuring stick to use when valuing assets because it does not have a constant value. Very quick example before we get to the break. In 1971, the Dow was at about 600, and an ounce of gold at that time sold for $35. Now, when I wrote the Retirement Roadmap book, the Dow was at about 33,000, and gold was selling for about 2,000. It's not much different than that right now. But if we do some quick math, in 1971, if the Dow was at 600 and gold was at $35 an ounce, If we take the value of the Dow and divide by the price of gold per ounce, we find that the Dow was about 17 times the price of gold per ounce. Now, if we do the same math using the $33,000 value for the Dow and the $2,000 per ounce price of gold, you find that stocks really haven't moved much. In fact, in real terms, priced in gold, stocks really haven't gained anything. Now, you can do that same exercise with just about any other asset and reach a similar conclusion. In fact, I will do that for you to a greater extent in the last segment of today's program. Joining me in the next segment, however, will be be Simon Popple. Simon will be talking about his new book, soon to be released, Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. And I'll talk to Simon about his view of the current economy as well. Many longtime listeners will recognize Simon as a returning guest. Now, as I close out this segment, let let me remind you, it's a last opportunity to get the November 2022 special report titled The Approaching Derivative Implosion, How Your Bank and Investments May Be Affected. If you'd like to get a copy of that report, along with the revenue sourcing book and along with a little black book on social security maximization, all you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail that report and the books to you. I'll be glad to do so absolutely free and with no further obligations. So, again, the website, requestyourreport.com. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Mr. Simon Popple. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is Mr. Simon Popple. Uh, Simon is the publisher of the Brookville Capital Intelligence Report. He also has a book that will be released here within about a month. It's titled Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. Uh, you can go to brookvillecapital.com to, to pre-order, and I would encourage you to do that. Simon, welcome back to the program. 
Great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. So, Simon, your book is titled Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. Uh, tell me, uh, is the world now in a recession in your view? What's the economic health, generally speaking, of the world economy? Yeah, I, I don't think it's that good. Um, I think that, you know, with all the debt out there, um, the world is, is in not in, in terribly good health. And... Uh, uh, unfortunately, recessions, you tend to find out about a recession by looking through the rearview mirror. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm talking very much from the UK perspective, but uh, you know, times are pretty tough. We've got we've got nasty inflation. We've got increasing interest rates. And, um, you know, people don't feel as, as wealthy as perhaps they used to. So, Simon, let's talk a bit about inflation um, and interest rates. Central banks around the world are increasing interest rates to try to control inflation. In your view, have they gone far enough to do the job or not? Well, at the moment, you've still got interest rates significantly below levels of inflation. I mean, in the UK, I think inflation's running around 11%, um, and interest rates are a lot lower than that. And I'm not saying that interest rates have to be the same as inflation, but I think you need to have a a much narrower gap than that. You know, if I, if I was to lend you, um, you know, a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars today, and I could buy fifty bottles of wine with that of my favourite wine, and then you pay me back uh, the thousand pounds plus interest, and I could only buy forty-five bottles of my favourite wine, um, you know, that that's not good business for me. And uh, I think that you know what will happen next time you want to borrow money is. I'll significantly increase the uh, the interest rate to make sure I can at least buy um, the same number of bottles of wine. So, you know, I, that's a very simplistic way of looking at it. But uh, I think interest rates will have to to be closer to the level of inflation. And um, I think also, you know, what what the Fed and you know governments around the world are looking for is that is this this policy is actually working. And um, I know it's worked in the past, but uh, you know a lot of inflation is caused by high energy prices and things like that. And uh, I'm not sure the interest rates are going to be, um, you know, the perfect solution for that. And Simon, if interest rates continue to increase, which seems to be the the narrative anyway at this point, uh, doesn't that just exacerbate the recessionary conditions that exist. Well, exactly. And I think I think that's that's one of the problems they've got because interest rates have got so low um, that you know, and obviously the property market throughout the world has has, has had a phenomenal run. But uh, if the interest rate goes from two to four percent, then if your if your mortgage cost goes from two to four percent, you know that's um, a, a significant increase in in the cost of your mortgage, and you know if it goes from two to six or two to seven or whatever it is, you know we're talking about huge additions to your to your monthly repayments, and um, every money or every, every cent, penny, whatever that goes on that doesn't go on something else. So uh, yes, I think it will exacerbate the the recession, but I don't think the policymakers have got a choice really. You know they've got to bring inflation down. Simon, I, uh, recently, I read an article, and, and this is here in the United States, that uh, 
United States citizens in the third quarter of this year increased their debt by $351 billion. Credit card debt increased in the United States to almost a trillion dollars. It seems that this inflation is causing people to maybe add to debt. That's how they're coping with inflation. And isn't that another contributing factor to this this recession that you uh, really are writing about in your book? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm actually personally very worried about uh, increasing debt, you know, and not just globally, but personally, you know, I, I don't like having to borrow any money. And um, here in the UK, I know overdraft rates are more like sort of 30, 35, 40%, you know, they're very expensive. It's very expensive money. And this is, you know, we're talking about mainstream banks here. I'm not sure what the rates are in the US, but you, know, it, it, you, you can you can survive on additional debt for a while, but not forever. And uh, if 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 the debt burden goes up, you know you can you can appear to be doing okay, and you know you're you're probably still making purchases and things like that. So to the outside world, it looks like you're doing fine, but uh, you know at some point you hit your credit limit, and um, uh, then you're in trouble. And um, I think there's a lot of people who are uh, perhaps borrowing and they're continuing to borrow, but there will come a point when they can't borrow anymore. And um, then you've got some huge problems because not only um, have they got no more money to pay for essentials, but they've also got to service the, uh, the debt that they've accumulated. Well, if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Mr. Simon Popple. He is the publisher of the Brookville, Brookville Capital Intelligence Report. His website is brookvillecapital.com. His book to be released in a little over a month is Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. You can go to brookvillecapital.com to pre-order if you would like. So, Simon, um, you're, you're obviously looking at uh, us potentially having a recession worldwide how deep do you think this recession actually gets? Um, I think it could get pretty deep, to be honest, because uh, it's difficult to see how we're going to get out of it um, in the immediate future. I mean, interest rates are still incredibly low. And um, I think that until they get to sort of five, six, seven which is you know, a long way from where they are at the moment, uh, you can't say we're in a normal situation. And um, I think that the Fed are in a very, very difficult position because uh, the rate is still pretty low. And um, I personally think that I, I think they'll decrease the size of the, the increases uh, over the sort of short to medium term, but I, I don't think they can uh, sort of stop stop the increases. So I think the, this, the the direction of travel will remain the same. I think perhaps the speed may vary a bit, but um, I, I think there's some much higher interest rates on the horizon, and for people who've taken on a lot of debt, um, you know that could be that could be very challenging. Simon, you know, when you when you take a look at um, us moving toward recession and you take a look at what's happened this year with many asset classes, uh, stocks are obviously down, uh, bonds are down. 
the traditional approach to investing has been some type of stock and bond approach often with a greater percentage of assets in bonds the older you get. Uh, that hasn't worked very well this year. There's been a number of investors that have looked for alternative investments, and cryptocurrency has been one of those. And we had this recent uh, news that uh, the FTX exchange is you know, com now completely bankrupt, and there were some allegations of some misappropriations of some customer funds, and we'll have to see all that, uh, how all that sorts out. But uh, what's your take on this whole FTX situation? Well, you know, it's it's very worrying, isn't it? Because, you know, I can see why investors moved away from the, you know, we call it the 60-40, where you have 60% in equities, 40% in bonds, and it, that has worked very well in the past. But uh, the trouble is, is, you know, you end up playing catch-up. And, you know, because bonds and equities have had such a bad time, you know, a lot of people have found themselves looking at cryptos. Um, and, you know, if, if you've lost your money, on FTX, you know that's that's a huge hole, you know, in your in your savings, and you've got to make that up somehow. And this is one of the reasons I like gold, to be honest, because you know, you, you hear you know people talk about the golden years as good as gold, you know, gold medals in the sport. Um, you know, I, I think everyone should have uh, at least a look at gold. Um, I'm not saying they should have all their portfolio in gold, but you know, I, I think they should have at least a proportion of their portfolio in gold because you can't print it, you know, and, and it's it's a physical asset and it's got global recognition as having value. So I think, uh, you know, it's certainly something that people should should think about. Well, and we'll get into the next segment. We'll talk about uh, different ways to buy gold, a little bit more about your book. Um, my, my question here as we go into the break, as you look at all the currency creation that's taken place uh, around the world and all the inflation that it's, it's created, um, are, are we seeing a, a change here? Are we on the cusp of a, a big uh, transition away from today's uh, fiat currencies, in your view? I, I think that with all the debt being piled up, I think there's going to have to be some sort of um, I don't know, reckoning, for want of a better term, but no one knows which way it's going to go. No one knows you know, what's going to happen. But I think that you do need to be well diversified, you know, because um, the chances are that some of your investments could um, go down significantly and, you know, perhaps some other investments go up significantly. Unfortunately, we've got no idea what these are. But, you know, that's why I think you should have, uh, you know, a broad range of, of investments because, uh then you know you've got more chance of picking one of the winners, and uh, I think if you if you do pick a winner, uh, I think it could be you know, particularly good. Well, I'm chatting today with Mr. Simon Popple. His about to be released book is titled "Investing in a Recession: Why I Like Gold." You can learn more about the book and about Simon's work at BrookvilleCapital.com. I'd encourage you to check it out. I'll talk more with Simon Popple after these words. Stay with us. You are listening to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of chatting once again today with returning guest to the program, Mr. Simon Popple. Uh, Simon is the publisher of the Brookville Capital Intelligence Report. Uh, you can learn more about his work and his publication at brookvillecapital.com. 
Simon also has a book that will be released at the first of the year, Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. You can go to brookvillecapital.com and learn more about the book and pre-order there as well. Simon, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the last segment that it's your view that uh, you really like gold moving ahead. That's in the title of your upcoming book. Um, when, when someone's thinking about adding gold to their portfolio, which um, I agree that um, many people should, uh, what type of percentages would, would you suggest? Do you have any rules of thumb for people that are retiring or, or contemplating retirement as to what percentage of their portfolio you would recommend they think about putting in gold? Um, it's very, very difficult because everyone's got different size portfolios. And so, you know, if, if you say 5% for someone, that you know, that can mean nothing. Or you could say 5% for someone else, and that can mean a huge amount of money. But um, I, I think they should have at least some, you know, because it's tangible. It's got global recognition. Uh, you know, if you look at the website, you can see how it's done in some corrections and see uh, you know where it sits on various different charts and you know different different parameters that, that, that people have done with their analysis. So um, I think the answer is you know you start with some and you get to know the sector, you get to know more about it, and and then you may want to have a little bit more. But uh, I know a lot of people have got none, and uh, I find that you know quite worrying. Simon, when you're talking about adding gold to your portfolio, there are uh, there's really no shortage of, of choices. You know, there's physical gold, there's exchange traded funds, uh, there's uh, shares in, in miners, and some of these miners are producers, some are explorers. So there, there there's a lot really to sort through when you're thinking about adding gold to your portfolio. Um, can you just give uh, listeners maybe some thoughts as to uh, the different ways to get exposure to gold, and maybe what some of your favorites might be? Yeah, I know. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think the the first thing is to to acknowledge the the risk um, because different sort of gold uh, products have have different risk, and you have to work out what risk you're comfortable with. And obviously, you need you know to speak to your financial advisor and get appropriate advice. But but um, typically, if you buy some physical gold, you're taking risk on the gold price. If you buy a producer, you're taking a risk on the level of production and the gold price. Uh, if you're taking a risk on an explorer, then you're taking a risk on um, not only the gold price and them, you know, the amount of gold that they may be able to produce, but you've actually you're taking a risk that they actually find it in the first place. So, I, I think you need to be very cognizant of, of the level of risk you're taking. Uh, ETFs, obviously, they're they're great in a market that functions well. But if we have a, a any sort of Armageddon-type moment, there's a lot of links in the chain, and you need all the chain to work, your ETF to work. So, again, you need to be sort of careful about um, how exposed you are to that market. Likewise, you know, if, there's, if you've got physical gold or ETFs, you know, there's costs, uh, well, costs with all, all, all forms of, of, of investment. So you need to make sure that your, uh, your exposure and your costs are, are right, so there's no point in having, um, you know, a tiny amount of gold in storage where your storage cost could be more than your the gold itself. Um, and you know, likewise with an ETF, uh, you don't want to have an absolutely tiny amount of money where the the cost of actually the ETF outweigh the cost of your investment. So 
Um, there's a lot to think about, but I mean, broadly speaking, uh, I think you should have uh, a diversified portfolio, but leaning more towards the level of, excuse me, the level of risk that you're comfortable with. So, Simon, let's let's talk about exchange traded funds, if we could, in a little bit of detail. Uh, you know, many of these exchange traded funds are are actually issued by uh, big investment banks, and certainly when you look at that particular sector, that particular area of finance, uh, one of the things that I was shocked to learn is the the level of derivative exposure that now some of these banks have. So, you know, with a, with an exchange traded fund versus physical gold. Um, isn't there a lot of counterparty risk in your view, or is that not a fair assessment? No, I, th I think that's a very fair assessment. I mean, I don't have a penny in ETFs because I'm actually worried about the, the counterparty risk and uh, a lot of the, the value of these, these funds. I mean, I know uh, some are backed by gold, but if you look at the small print, you actually have to have quite a lot of money, and I think probably a million dollars plus, in gold to actually take physical delivery so you do need to be very careful and as you say you know a lot of them what what you're getting is you're getting derivative exposure to the gold price so in a, in a functioning market that's brilliant you know you, you end up with um, a product that's giving you exposure to the gold price but if there was ever a uh, a major problem in the market uh, you know, let's say Lehman's were, were part of the the chain, then um, you know I, I think I think there could be some real concerns for anyone who's who, who's 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 got an ETF. So you know you do need to be careful and uh, fully understand it, and uh, you know perhaps speak to your financial advisor and, and they can allay any fears that you have. But you you do need to make sure that you are investing in something that you. Um, you understand, and it's going to deliver the kind of, uh, not only just the returns, but the level of comfort that you're looking for. Simon, when you look at buying physical gold, which you know doesn't have that counterparty risk, is there any type of physical gold that you like or any, any form of physical gold you prefer over another form? Well, I, I, what I would say is, you want to be able to take delivery of it. Not, not, not that I would suggest you do, but if if you're buying it, I, I think that you know if you're buying it in the U.S., I would suggest that you buy from a, a reputable dealer, you know, near where you live, um, because it's highly unlikely you want to take delivery of it. But if you ever do, uh, you know, there's no point having to, to to use plane, trains, and automobiles to to get to your gold. Um, I think the second thing is is that you want to uh, understand the tax position of your gold and make sure that it that the way you purchase it is suitable for whatever vehicle you're using. You know, are, are you having to pay capital gains tax? Uh, in the UK, if you buy a, a, a gold coin, a gold sovereign, um, then there are some tax advantages because it's viewed as money. I'm not sure what the rules are in the U.S., but you know you need to look into these things, and these are the things you need advice on. Because if you're actually buying uh, a gold coin that has got this capital gains tax-free, then uh, you know you can hold it for a long time, and you know whatever you sell it for, uh, you tend to have a, a, a sort of a, you tend to pay a slight premium 
when you when you buy it and, and a slight discount when you sell it, which is how how the brokers make their money. But um, uh, you know, if you're not paying capital gains tax and the price has gone up, then you know it, it, it can be you know particularly beneficial for you. Well, if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Mr. Simon Popple. His upcoming book is titled Investing in a Recession, Why I Like Gold. His website is brookvillecapital.com. So, Simon, let's talk a little bit about investing in gold producers versus gold explorers. Can you give us just a, a very basic 101 level uh, explanation as to the difference between the, the two types of, uh, uh, of gold mining companies? No, sure. Well, I mean, this is something I go into a lot more detail in, in, in the book about. But I mean, basically, you know, a gold producer has already found gold and they are mining it. They've probably paid, um, you know, a, a, a couple of hundred million, sometimes more than that, to, to build the, the mine and, and, and the, uh, the processing plant. Uh, funny enough, one of the things I like about the sector is the supply chain is very short. You know, you've, got, you've got a mine and a processing plant, and you're probably delivering 90, 95% of the value simply um, through those two links in the chain. Whereas, you know, if you've got, a, let's say, an iPhone and there's 100 different components, um, then, you know, I, I think it could be uh, uh, very challenging to uh, to get everything in one place. But but just talking about producers versus explorers, producers have found the gold and, and the risk you're taking is that they uh, mine it and uh, process it. With an explorer, it's much higher risk because they might have found some gold, but they... Um, it's very important that they find a, an economic amount of gold, and uh, the cost of actually you know, exploring for gold can be very expensive. So you know, if you've got someone who spends a lot of money and um, they don't find anything, uh, if the market doesn't believe in the management, um, you know, they could go bust. And so explorers tend to be much higher risk. Than, uh, than producers. Simon, your your book, Investing in a Recession: Why I Like Gold, um, the, the the title would suggest that you uh, are uh, advocating gold. Uh, do you feel the same way about silver? Uh, silver is a lot more volatile. I, I do like silver, but um, I think that it is. It, it's it's such a volatile. If you look at the prices of gold and silver, um, if, if you can get uh, the silver price right, um, man, you can have one hell of a one hell of a ride. But um, I personally would rather start off investing in gold, have a, a sensible gold portfolio, and then move on to have some silver, rather than the other way around. Um, that's not to say gold price, gold miners can't move around, but you know these are stocks that could move twenty twenty five percent in a trading session, and so um, uh, they're not for the faint hearted. Well, my guest today has been Mr. Simon Popple. His upcoming book is Investing in a Recession: Why I Like Gold. His website, where you can pre-order the book, is brookvillecapital.com. You can also learn more about his Brookville Capital Intelligence Report there as well. Again, the website, 
brookvillecapital.com. Simon, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I can't believe how quickly two segments goes when we start talking, but uh, I always get terrific feedback when when you're on the program, and I would love to have you back down the road. Thank you for joining us. That's been great. Thank you very much. We will return after these words. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you decided to tune in today, and thank you again to my special guest, Mr. Simon Popple, for joining us on today's program. Quick reminder, this is the last opportunity to get the November 2022 special report titled The Approaching Derivative Implosion, How Your Bank and Investments May Be Affected. To get your copy of that report, as well as a copy of my best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing, as well as a copy of the book, The Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization, Visit the website, requestyourreport.com. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. And I'll be very glad to get all that information out to you. Just visit the site. Let me know where I should mail all that information. Again, requestyourreport.com is the site. Now, in the first segment of today's program, I made the argument that really from 1971 to the present, when measuring stocks in gold, stocks haven't moved much. The example I gave was that in 1971, the Dow was at about 600. An ounce of gold at that time sold for $35 an ounce. So if we take 600, which is the value of the Dow, and we divide by $35, which was the price of gold per ounce in 1971, we get a number of about 17. Now, when I wrote the book, Retirement Roadmap, in 2021, The Dow was at $33,000, and an ounce of gold was selling for just under $2,000, which, doing the same math, gets the Dow-to-gold ratio just under 17. So, in real terms, priced in gold, which has always been real money, stocks haven't really gained anything. Now, you can do that same exercise with nearly any other asset and reach the same conclusion, and I'll do that for you in just a moment. Since the U.S. dollar has been significantly devalued since 1971, it simply cannot be used as an accurate metric for asset values, even though it is commonly used. Stocks have risen in price nominally since 1971, but in real terms, adjusted for the real inflation rate, stock values have not changed. See, when you price any asset in U.S. dollars, which are being rapidly devalued, it'll make the reported pricing higher on a nominal basis. This is inflation in action. See, if food prices go up because the dollar is devalued or lumber prices go up because the dollar is devalued, stock prices also go up because the dollar has devalued. Food lumber, and stocks are all priced in the same U.S. dollar. So my point is this. Rising prices doesn't necessarily mean greater value. Now let me give you another example. Many of you drive pickup trucks. And in 1971, a base model Chevy Silverado sold, get this, $2,967, just under $3,000. 50 years later, the same base model Silverado sells for $31,590. Now, arguably, 
it's the same truck. You could probably even make the case that the 1971 truck had more intrinsic value because it contained more steel and had, as components, more expensive metals. For discussion's sake, let's just assume it's the same truck. So 50 years later, you're paying 11 times more for the same truck. Now, is there 11 times more value in this new truck? Well, I think the answer we can all say is no, there's not. Now let's price the Silverado in gold. In 1971, gold was selling for $35 an ounce, and a Silverado would have set you back 85 ounces of gold. Today, a new Silverado would set you back only 18 ounces of gold. Now, I, I say this, and I, I share these examples with you to simply make the point that one cannot use the U.S. dollar as a measuring stick to get an accurate picture of value. Now, when I wrote the book, Retirement Roadmap, in 2021, I talked about the fact, uh, and I'll quote from the book, uh, despite the fact that stocks priced in gold haven't had an increase in value in 50 years, stocks at this point in time look extremely overvalued, in my opinion. The Buffett indicator, which compares the total value of stocks to the total output of the U.S. economy, now has stocks more overvalued than at any time in history. Now, at the time I wrote that in early 2021, uh, I felt the stocks were overvalued, but stocks became even more overvalued with the Buffett indicator, which again measures the total value of stocks uh, and compares it to total output of the U.S. economy. Uh, the Buffett indicator actually peaked in December of 2021. Now, despite the fact that the Buffett indicator was extremely overvalued in December of 2021. And despite the fact that it's more reasonably valued now, it is still more overvalued than at the peak of the tech stock bubble. So I'm expecting that we will see more downside in stocks. And I'm expecting that we could see uh, this Wall Street portfolio of stocks and bonds continue to lose money as we go into 2023. I made the same comment about bonds in 2021. I commented that bonds gain value when interest rates are declining, but in an environment of rising interest rates, bonds lose value. And I expected that we would see both stocks and bonds lose value moving ahead. And that is exactly what has happened. Now, for those of you that are looking to put together a distribution plan, an income plan for a comfortable, stress-free retirement, I would invite you to get our free resources. I've got the November 2022 special report titled The Approaching Derivative Implosion, How Your Bank and Investments May Be Affected. When you request that report at requestyourreport.com, I'll send you a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book as well as the little black book on social security maximization. So again, visit requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail all this information. I will be very glad to do so. That's my program for this week. I hope you got something you can use. And uh, here's wishing you and yours a very happy holiday season. <music> 